0: Thank you, God, how marvelously you've been moving in the times of worship. Your people have been open receptive to you, Lord, and your Holy Spirit. Let us be receptive right now, Lord, and believe, God, that this word is for us so we can personally run with it and live it. In Jesus' name, anoint me, Father. Amen. Amen. All in. All-in has been the vision of 2022. We're almost finished with 2022. The message of all-in hasn't changed. And I pray that as this year passes on, we go into 2023, that you will remember this all-in commitment with Jesus Christ and all-in with him. When we get all-in with him, then we can enjoy all the rights, privileges, authority, provision of the kingdom of God if we're all in Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me and through him. He is the only way, and we've discovered that, to be all in him. But this last verse of scripture in Ephesians chapter 6, God just hung me up there i read ephesians and and chapter six looking at things and then all of a sudden i it came across to me this verse 24 just kind of the brakes hit me for a moment as why is this man of god this apostle of the lord sending a letter to the church of ephesus that i'm telling you the the greatest doctrine teaching of doctrine And instruction given to the church and for every Christian can be found in the book of Ephesians. So much is there that I can't cover it all. So I just thought I'd maybe touch on the last verse. The last verse of chapter 6. Now we know different things that are in chapter 6. We know that, you know, Paul starts off talking about uh, a... the way of living where he goes and he tells the children obey your parents then he says on the next couple verses talking about those who own the slaves that they treat their slaves correctly and those who were servants to give their master the best as unto the Lord he gives these instructions of life and then he begins to get into the you know the dramatic portion of That we're wrestling against wickedness in high places. And he begins to give the instruction of this intenseness of that we are to put on the whole armor of God. (coughs) Telling us each piece of armor and each thing to wear and what it stands for. And I'm not going to go through the details. And then, of course, the sword of the spirit and, and that we're to take up those pieces of armor and be ready to fight against the enemy. We realize he brings out all of almost the forces of hell coming against the child of God, but that we've been equipped by the armor of the Lord for us to take it up and receive it. He goes through all that, and then at the very close and last verse of that chapter, he writes this, he says, he says, Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. Now, I, it doesn't sound real dramatic. Sounds rather plain and quick and, and right there. in, But it's so filled with so much that we could take word for word and begin to see what Paul was really trying to say. You know, because... If we were to give Paul a chance to explain this last verse, if he was here with us today, he would preach all day, all night, into the, the morning, and begin to explain everything about that closing statement of, to the letter to the Ephesians. But he says, grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Grace, we know what grace is. We know, we we say it all the time, it's God's unmerited favor and that that is the grace of God. Other verses of scripture in the New Testament define and bring out a, another word or meaning of grace, of God's enabling power in our life, the grace of the Lord. I remember Paul talking about where that... Uh, you know, that he had a thorn in the flesh, and he was seeking God. Here's a man that, that was taken up into the third heavens. Here's a man who, was, who had seen so much, experienced so much, but yet when he was praying, he said, I'm, I'm getting interfered with, I've got this thorn in the flesh. A man that had great faith that no doubt could lay hands on the dead, and they would come to life. A man with great faith that demons would flee from him A man that was so anointed of God that bore the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ on his very body. But here he says, I'm praying, and he says, I can't, and and Lord, would you, you know, remove this thorn in my flesh? Would you remove it so I could go on? And Jesus' simple answer, but quite complete answer was that he says, but my grace is sufficient for you. My grace, my enabling power is sufficient for you, to keep you, to secure you. So their grace, the meaning of grace of of the word charis, so grace in the New Testament in the Greek is, uh, it, it means a leaning toward favor, as though God leaning toward us to give us something. You know, to give us something. My grandsons, when they were shorter than me, now they're almost as tall as I am, But when Papa had something for them, I'd have to lean over and hand it to them. They always loved it when Papa started toward them with something and leaning toward them because they knew they were about ready to receive something. So grace is God looking at us, knowing where we're at, seeing what's going on, and he says, I've got something for you. I'm going to lean toward you with favor. You've been marked with favor. The enemy may have put a target on you, but God has placed a target of favor upon you so much that no matter what you're going through, remember, 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 my grace is sufficient for you you're going to be victorious because of this grace of this unmerited favor and this enabling power of God so Paul says at the close of this letter and the last the first word of that last verse he he mentions grace to them I think we take grace for granted we we it's one of those words that we just kind of you know, skim over, you know, grace is kind of like a child learning. When I was a child, my stepfather, he was raised Catholic, and they had this particular qu- uh, prayer that was real quick. I'm not going to pray it for you, but it was over the meal. I mean, I could probably do it. Bless the Lord oh my soul and all, you know, and that, uh, bless the food that is, and the bounty that is presented before us in Jesus' name. Amen. I love it because there's only four lines. And we learned it, memorizing, so we said it by memory, but it really didn't come from the heart. Grace, many times, is something overlooked. You know, grace is overlooked when we go to the Mexican restaurant. How come we never pray over the chips and salsa? Huh? Come on now. How come we never pray over the chips and salsa when it comes? We eat, and we've eaten and eaten and eaten, and all of a sudden, oh, now we're going to say grace because the plates have come. Doesn't matter about the baskets and the bowls, and so I'm just trying to be funny. Okay, I'm not trying to throw a condemnation there, but we take grace many times, even praying over food, for granted. We take the word grace for granted. You're saved by grace, not by works, lest any man should boast. I'm so glad I don't have to earn the cost of my forgiveness. Jesus paid the price once and once and for all. And by the grace of God, I'm saved, not by my works, lest anybody could boast. But if truth were to be made known, no man could boast. Because our righteousness is as of filthy rags before God. Only Jesus has brought you grace. You're a child of God because he adopted you. He called you by name. He brought you in. He forgave you of your sins. So here it is. He says, Grace, grace. As though leaning toward and giving them something, Paul says, Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Sincerity? Oh, in sincerity. Could it be that we try to love Christ out of sincerity, without sincerity? It just doesn't mix. And God's grace and his favor and blessing won't be upon our life if we say we love him, but we don't our actions say otherwise. You know, the word sincerity is of Latin origin. It, it literally means without wax. Without wax. In Bible times, a dishonest merchant had a piece of cracked pottery and would go and would take wax that would fill the crack and then paint over the crack and then go and sell it like nothing's wrong with it. Everything is fine and you pay the full price. Of course, I got to tell you, I don't think I'd want to buy a cracked pot. Would you piece of pot? No. It's kind of like going to the store, getting home with a gallon of milk and it's got a leak. Don't you hate that? Come on now. Do I have any brothers and sisters? in with me on this. You know what I mean? You bring that gallon of milk home. You put it, it's in the bag. You carry it into the house, set it down, and all of a sudden, there's a big wet spot on the counter before you can put it away. It's, oh, man. Oh, no. I can't drive all the way to the store and get this exchanged. So what we do, we grab us a bowl and we set it in the bowl. I'll get a couple days out of this before it finally drains out and every morning you get up and you get that jug, lift it up, pour that milk out of the bowl, and you're, you know, oh man, what a ripoff. Yeah. About ready to curse the merchant. You know, it's always the big guy, you know, he's always out after us. But in Bible times they do that, and then they would sell it as flawless and new. This practice became so common that that the the phrase like buyer beware. Started, you know, started circling in a natural sense so much that the people, when they go to the marketplace and they go to buy a vessel that's all pretty and nice and everything, they would do two things. They would hold it up to the sun and see if they could see something through the pottery, the vessel, and see a crack if it had been filled with wax and seeing light come out or the other thing they would do they just take that vessel and say hey i'm going to shop a little bit more here i got a few more tables to go through and all around here in the marketplace i'm going to sit this and he sits it in the sun so as it sits in the sun the wax will begin to heat up and it will melt and it will prove what kind of vessel it is that's and so when so therefore the word you sincerity meant that there was no cracks No flaws, no wax being used to fill in the cracks. This practice is so common that people just learn to do that two-part test. Jesus said, in the word of God, it said that our love for him has to be real and not flawed or fake. It can't be something covered over with the perishable substance not something simply expressed in words, but a love communicated by our actions becomes more deeper, more sincere. Our love for him has to be real, not flawed or fake. John 14 and 15 and verse 22, uh, 21, 23. It says, if you love me, Jesus says, keep my commandments. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father, and I will love him and manifest myself in him. Jesus answered and said to them, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home with him. If you're sincere in relationship and love with Jesus, Jesus said, hey, the father and I would like to come and hang out at your house. I'd like to be there with you. We want to be with you and and fellowship with you and help you and go to your house. Because there's sincerity there. There's real love that you have. To be all in is that we love him the most, that we make him Lord of our lives. That's being all in, that we love Jesus more than everything, and that we put him first place, make him Lord of our life. Can we hold up, the question is, can we hold up the measure of our love for Jesus to a light of the word of truth? Will, we, will our love for Jesus hold up against the heat of the day? You know, these are questions that we need to ask about our relationship with him. Is our love, will hold up to the light of truth? Right, right. Or will it will show the cracks and the flaws and the, and the falseness and the fakeness of it? We live in a time where the world needs to see the real thing and the real deal. The day of fakiness is over. We live in a pagan society. We live in a world that is anti-Christ and anti-God. In a world that's more accepting of paganism than the truth of the gospel. This is the world that we're living in. And we live in times now. I saw on the news the other day, a woman asked some teenagers to just quit cussing on a bus in a city here in America. And they literally beat her up and the bus driver wouldn't stop. Nobody stepped in. And there she got beat up just because she asked them not to cuss anymore. Do you see that this is all around us? And please. I want to tell you that we live in Galilee County, and this is God's country and a wonderful place to raise a family. But thanks to the Internet, it's all over. You know what I mean? Attitude is all over. Lessons are taught all over. It's not, there's no hiding place here. The only best thing we can do is say, Lord, I love you. And God, I know that you love me. And I'm going to walk in this love relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, some say, well, that's easier said than done. No, you just need to surrender, give up. Say, Lord, I, I surrender everything over to you. You can have me, Lord. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. You know, there, there, there are people who have confessed their sins and asked the Savior to forgive them of their sins, but they won't let him be the Lord of their life. Jesus says, you can't have me if I'm not your Lord. You can't be saved unless Jesus is Lord of your life. Can, can I get an amen out of that? I know you believe that. You've got to serve him and love him. Amen. Our love for Jesus been waxed over by, has our love for Jesus been waxed over by religious appearance and hiding our true selves. But I want to tell you, thank God for the Holy Spirit that loves us enough to question us. How many of you love to be questioned? Raise your hand. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, we're, we're okay and safe and nobody asks us a question. But when the Holy Spirit begins to ask questions of us and to us, then it's a soul-searching experience. And we say, yes, Lord, I hear you. Yes, Lord, I thank you that you not only tell me to serve you, but you're involved in my life. You're involved in my care, and you're with me always. Will our love hold up against the heat of the day? Thank God for the Holy Spirit that loves us enough to question us. We may sometimes stumble and fall, but we choose repeatedly to get up and try again. Get up and try again. How many here have fallen and gotten up and started again and tried again? How many have done more than once? Raise your hand. How many have done more than twice? Raise your hand. How many here say, I don't know how many times it's been. I can't number it, but thank God. For the love of Christ that constrains us. Thank God for the Holy Spirit that revives us and restores us. Thank God that are, the devil may want to repeat your failures, but you just remind him how many times you've gotten up in the name of Jesus Christ and you're not that old person anymore. Hallelujah. You just tell him he's, he's going to be judged and he's going to hell. where he belongs be judged. When we live in sincerity we reduce our difficult decisions making to a more simplistic approach. What I'm saying is that when we were when we're in sincerity with Christ we reduce our difficult decision making to a more simplistic approach. Our love for him is the final answer. You're struggling over some questions about some stuff that you know that Contrary to the word of God or contrary to what's right and or, or things that maybe you've given up and now you're gonna pick them up again now because now you're much more wiser and smarter. And so well, that was back in my younger years, and now I can do it, you know. An old preacher told me I couldn't do it, but now I can do it because I'm wiser and 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 all that stuff. Let me tell you that if you're in love with Jesus Christ, it makes it very simple with your decision making. That you love him so much that there is no question about when temptations come your way. You love him so much that you're not going to give in to the temptations. See, improper relationship is if we were to talk all the time about, well, I got saved because I didn't want to go to hell. And I'm worried about judgment. I didn't want to go to hell. No, let me tell you. And, and also your decision to serve Christ Isn't that you don't want to go to hell, but because you love him and becomes a balanced relationship where that his love will carry you and you're in love with him and you'll make the right decisions if you allow the love for Jesus Christ to take foremost position in any decision-making process. You'll do all right. You'll do all right because you're walking in his love and in sincerity. Amen. The cynics and the critics of the world they say that Christianity is a life of cannots. They don't understand that to a true Christian, Christianity is a life of will nots. Come on. D- did you hear me? It's not cannot. I will not because I've been given that power being all in sincerity with Jesus gives us the greatest freedom of all to choose not all in love with Jesus we we pre it predetermines to avoid temptation we now manage our lives based on our loving him above all else manage your life with Jesus in the forefront Manage your life for the love of Christ that you love him. And if you put him in first and foremost, husbands will not be questioning whether or not they ought to have an affair with another woman. Because they love Jesus, and because they love Jesus, they love their wife. Do you see this whole process here? We could go down the line. Where where if you're wanting to give in and do something wrong, you won't do it because you choose not to do it. It's not that you cannot, you will not. And when you step in the will not, it becomes worship to God. I ain't going to do it because I can't do that. No, I ain't going to do it because I will not do it. Because I love my Savior and I love my Lord. And I'm not going to compromise, allow something in there that might say something different about my passion that I have for him. Praise the Lord. I think they... They sum it all up in a very simple word. It's kind of like, I think it's summed up in holiness. holiness. See, what it is, is holiness is not a hard thing to do. You just fall in love with Jesus. You just get close to Jesus, and you're going to live holy. You're gonna, and if you're messing up, he'll tell you. He'll tell you. Uh, he'll tell you, uh-uh, uh don't you do that. Don't you touch that. Don't you go there. Uh-uh, uh-uh, because... You're in love with him, and you love him so much. So, Lord, your love is constraining me. Your love is guiding me. And the love that I have for you is the greatest passion of my life. Yeah. I mean, this time of year, there's a whole lot of football fanatics out there. Oh, yeah. They'll talk about football quicker than anything. There's nothing wrong with football. Nothing wrong with it. If you're rooting for a winning team... If your team don't win, you know, I'm all the way OSU kind of questionable about the Bengals. You know what I mean? All in OSU, they've won all their games. The Bengals, well, they're 50-50. <laughs> A lot of fanaticism about why can't we just fall in love with him so much? You ain't going to find anybody like Jesus in your life. You ain't going to find anybody that's going to leave. The glory and the might of heaven. You're never going to find one that wasn't destined to feel pain. But decided and chose to feel agonizing pain on the behalf of you and I. you ain't going to never find a love like him that would suffer not death, just death. But a heinous death, a death of mockery and shame. Among a crowd cursing him. Yeah. Uh-huh. I thank God for Jesus' miracles. But his greatest miracle was hanging on that cross. And raising on that third day and sealing the deal of his love for us. For God commended his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know what? I want to serve him. I want to serve him because he's so worthy to be worshipped and served. I want to fall in love with Jesus. And one day I look forward. How many of you want to see him one day? Want to see? You can look at him if you want, but I'm going to grab a hold of him if I can. If I got the strength, if I can, if I can get myself up off the off the floor or ground to get up enough get close to him i want to feel i want to touch him and hold him he is everything to us and to you it was jesus in your dark hours that brought the light it was jesus in the moment of your brokenness that brought healing it was Jesus who come at that time of fearful moment and suddenly a breeze of peace began to blow over you. It was Jesus and his presence that made known to us "It's Jesus that we live our life through. And believing one day he's prepared a place for us that where he is we can be also. It's Jesus. We we love Jesus. We love him. We love him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Lord, show me. I mean, I could keep going, but I just want to yield to the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. 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 Ephesus, the letter sent to Ephesus. You know, in the book of Acts chapter 19, Ephesus was either, it's, you could make a sermon out of it. Maybe some of you preachers, you can use it. Ephesus, uh, Acts chapter 19, with Ephesus, it's either a riot or a revival. Well, so that's exactly what happened. Because of the revival, we find the beginning of Acts there in chapter 19. Twelve uh, disciples of John the Baptist, Paul runs into them and introduces to them. If they ask them if they've been filled with the Holy Ghost and they never heard of it. And so he prayed over them. They were filled with the Holy Ghost, began to prophesy. So it began the seven sons of Siva seeing things that's going on and thinking that, hey, man, we can make some money out of this. So they opened up and hung a shingle outside their office door and said, the sons of Siva, exorcists, Extraordinaires." But we find in Scripture when they begin to pray over someone that was demon-possessed, we adjure you the Jesus whom Paul serves. See, they should have said, Jesus, whom we serve. That, that was the niche right there. And then the demons said, uh-oh, oh, there's no middleman here. He said, Jesus, I know, Paul, I know, but who are you? Jumping out, leaping on them, ripping their clothes off, they're running down the street. And all the city sees them carry on, all these seven guys getting beat up in the middle of nowhere. Scared them to death. Actually, scared them to life. So that they began, they were so feared that they started coming together. The Bible says, fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And then many people came confessing their deeds, but having a bonfire burning millions of dollars worth of books and idols, uh, having a big bonfire, millions of dollars worth of of books and idols, so that the Bible says, so the word of God or the word of the Lord grew mightily and, and prevailed. But then when Demetrius, the silversmith, didn't like what it was doing, the business, don't like the money dropping and worried that, man, everybody's going to burn that miniature idol of of Diana that we sell the tourists as souvenirs when they come in. And we're going to lose all this money. We'll lose everything. Look, everything's already been lost. He begins to rail with accusation. The streets gets riled up. They get a riot going on, and they end up in the theater. And and here it is. They're trying to talk to the people in there. The men of God went in there. Paul was ready to go in there, but they wouldn't let him go in there. Paul, we want you to live another day. But Paul says, I'm ready to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've got a captivated audience. Let me go in there. And they constrained him, kept him from going in there. They preached the gospel. But it's interesting that 35 years later, John the Apostles on the Isle of Patmos, Jesus dictates a letter to him to the seven churches of Asia Minor, and Ephesus was the first one. He said, hey, you've done a good job. I'm going to kind of paraphrase it. Jesus said, you've done good. You know who are apostles and who aren't apostles. You go and, and your labors, I can see your labors, and he says, and you hate the the Nicolaitans. You know what the Nicolaitans are? It's not the children's TV channel, Nickelodeons, but Nicolaitans. What they were? They were a group that incorporated paganism in with Christianity, and the founder of that that they followed after he. Actually, himself was a proselyte from Judaism and Christianity, left there, and then no, from paganism to Judaism. Then he went to, to Christianity, but somehow or another, he must have thought he could blend it all in. And there were followers that way, just like today. Just like today. We embrace things that are ungodly and wrong. The world's thinking is so out of whack, so out of the Bible, but that's okay. We've been called to give the Bible. We've been called to give the good message. Don't be upset. God is setting the stage for a great revival of people getting saved. No more of this traditional idea that if you're born in America, you're a Christian baloney. America is no longer that Christian nation. We keep trying to think we're not because we're denying Jesus Christ. We're denying him and embracing all other religions, embracing them. And denying Jesus Christ. So here it is. He sends. And then Jesus says. But I have one thing against you. Ephesians. He says. Nevertheless I have against you. That you have left your first love. Remember therefore where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works. We're so influenced by our culture. By what we watch and what we listen to. that, That if we're not careful. We'll begin to think as the culture thinks. Instead of reflecting Christ, we'll begin to reflect the world's value system. We live in an undesirable surroundings and an atmosphere where genuine love has grown cold. And so we do what the Ephesians were told to do. We remember. We remember. We remember the place from whence we fell and repent. Repent and do the first works, loving him with all of our hearts, we get up, we fell down, we fall down, we get up. And we fall in love with him over and over again. Being all in, loving him most, accepting his lordship, is the priority of our discipleship. As Jesus told John to write and tell the Ephesians, you have left your first love. Actually, I'm going to close with this, this statement. Actually, Jesus was asking, check your sincerity. What have you replaced me with? That's what he was asking the Ephesians. What have you replaced me with? That's the first love and passion in your life. But he's calling them back to remember and repent and come back. And what's so great about Christianity? It's much better. It's much better than a game of Monopoly. Monopoly. Where you end up square by square, however the roll of the dice is going to be, you're going to land there. And then you pick up a card of chance, and it tells you, go directly to jail, do not pass, go and collect $200. It's just, it's a, it's, a, it's a place where that many people think their life is that way. With Christianity is this, God says, I'll not make you like you were, I'll make you better. I'll make you Better. 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 Now, I'm not trying to be foolish here. I'm just trying to spark by way of remembrance to you. Some of you old enough to remember the six million dollar man. Amen. Ah, I tell you what, Lee Majors, the six million dollar man, and how he was reconstructed. And in the beginning of the show, it says we will not remake him. We will make him better. And and he goes like that. And he's running 60 miles an hour. I wish I, I wish I was running 60 miles an hour right now. that's about as fast as I can run and get that sound come on how many here remember that he's running and running and he outruns a car you know and kicks a gazelle along the way and just he's not going to be the same he's going to be better that's the love of Christ Jesus says no I'm going to make you go back to step one no 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 he'll move you forward if you let him Because the name of the game with Christ is a simple three-letter word, win. You're going to win in Christ Jesus, win. Set the model. Lift your hands and praise the Lord we begin worship. Lord, we we glorify you, God. Delivered my heart. Lord, I know that you're speaking to us because you love us. We're so grateful for your love. We sing and we glorify you and thank you for your love. And Lord, our worship back to you is gonna be we're gonna love you. We're gonna love you. That controls our actions. Love you in sincerity. We're in grace and in your love, Lord. We want to love you in sincerity. All is within us, oh Lord. All is when there are those in the house that feel very defeated. May you, you you're going through a struggle. I want you to know, rediscover the love of Jesus. Rediscover your love for Jesus. Rediscover your love for Jesus. The demons scream and don't want to hear God's children begin to say, Oh, Lord, I love you with all that is within me, oh, Lord. I love you, Jesus. I need you in my life. I love you. I'll serve you, Lord. I'll serve you. I'm your child. I'll be your child 24-7, Lord, every day of the week. Lord, I you're everything to me. You're everything to me. Would you stand with me? All I want you to do is signify by your hand. The Lord spoke to me He said, I'll meet them where they're at. I'll meet them where they're at. You raise your hand. First of all, maybe you're backslidden. You're not. And you need Jesus and the love of God in your life. And you know you're not a Christian. Raise your hand quickly and let it down. The Lord will meet you right where you're at. He'll see your hand. Just raise it up. Raise it up quickly, quickly, quickly. Anyone in the house? Now, is there someone in the house? Say, Pastor, I I want to rediscover my love relationship with Jesus in a deeper way, in a greater way. I want you to raise your hand. up, just just leaving. Leave it raised, leave it raised, just raise it, yes, 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 yes. Now, I know I've taken up some time and time has been spent, but Noah, can you come up in that last song how, um, I don't remember the name of songs. I just know a word or two, He Loves Me, and then, uh, oh, how He Loves Me, you know which one it is. And I want you, you raise your hand. I want you to pray where you're at. I want you to seek the Lord and say, Lord, I know that you love me and I love you. Oh, Lord, I now rededicate my love to you and passion for you. You're going to be number one in my life. You're going to help me, Lord. I need your help. I need your help. I need your help. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Most Christians, when they have wiped out, and they backslid for God, it's because they've lost their love for Jesus. Or these they start on the road of back being backslidden. It's because they've 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 lost, they've forgotten their love for Jesus. And he'll re-spark it. He'll re-spark it. Some of you have had long-term marriages, and there have been times that you and your spouses had to sit down and work on that marriage and decide, Lord decide with each other we're going to rekindle our marriage and our devotion with one another it's the same type of decision you make to jesus so jesus i want to put you first and i love you lord i want my love for you to increase i want my love for you to be sincere with sincerity lord with sincerity hallelujah how many agree with me you're going to pray you're going to seek the lord for that let's just worship the lord as they sing and then we will close in a prayer quick prayer Hallelujah. But just worship him and open up to him right now.
1: He is jealous for me.
0: Yes, he is.
1: Hallelujah. He loves like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his (laughs) wind and mercy. I love you, Lord. When all...
0: I know I'm not a songwriter I don't have a license to change the words of a song but you do it can we make that person oh how he loves me and make it me and not us it's funny how we make things plural when we do usually it means we're trying to point someone else he loves us but when we say he loves me it becomes a personal devoted prayer to you go ahead and sing No. Mm-hmm. Heavenly Father we leave this room we leave this place today going out into a world that feels so unloved and unappreciated I pray Lord in the name of Jesus Christ as our love relationship grows in you with sincerity God that people will see our sincerity when we go out to the marketplace they see that we're real and that we love and we care that we will not pick up the world's methods and the world's thinking, but that we will carry your mind, Jesus. We will fulfill your will because we love you and you love us. Oh, know how we love you with sincerity, oh Lord. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for the worship. God bless you. Give yourself a clap, for Yeah!
1: Congratulations! His portion and he is our prize, drawn to redemption by the grace in his eyes, If his grace, is an ocean we're all sinking, heaven meets earth like an unforeseen kiss, in my heart it turns violently inside. something to eat back in here at one. want to be.